Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, The Lies of Rabshakeh. So this morning, I'm going to talk about the lies of Rabshakeh. Say, what, Brother Scott? I promise you, you'll find out who Rabshakeh is here shortly and why his lies have to be resisted. I don't have any points organized like I normally do, being the teacher that I am, but today... I'm just going to read the Bible to you, and I'm going to share a fascinating story that I know will encourage you. And as I do, I'll comment on life applications as we go. My aim is to help you stand against the barrage of lies, distortions, and disinformation that are all around us, all around us personally, and all around us as a society, as a nation. And to teach you instead to tune in to the word of the Lord, which is always faithful. In spite of your personal circumstances and in spite of our current national circumstances. The civil unrest, the coronavirus, and all the government power grabs and overreaches that have resulted from these things. And make no mistake about it. These things are designed to take away your rights and to muzzle the churches of America. Well, enough is enough. We will not be muzzled. We will not be silent. I want to talk to you about the Assyrian siege of Jerusalem in the days of King Hezekiah of Judah. It is a fantastic story of Good versus evil. There's high drama and the supernatural intervention of God into the affairs of man. The story is kind of scattered all through the Old Testament in three different books. Isaiah 36, 2 Kings 18 and 19, and 2 Chronicles 32. So you really have to dig into all these chapters to unfold all the details that are involved. But fret not. I've already done it for you. We're going to hit the high spots this morning as best I can. But mind you, we're still going to read a good bit of scripture as we unfold this story. Amen. So let's begin with 2 Kings 18. 2 Kings 18, verse 1 through 7 in the English Standard Version. 2 Kings 18, if you want to keep up in your devices or in your Bible. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. This was a pole that was erected to the Canaanite god Asherah. He tore it down. He cut it down. 
And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. Now, Nehushtan is Hebrew for bronze serpent. And if you remember the story when Moses lifted up the bronze serpent and anyone who looked upon it was healed of the poisonous snake bites that they had been bitten with. Amen? Remember that? Well, unfortunately, about 500 years later, now they've turned it into an artifact that they are worshiping like a false god. And so it was dashed to pieces in the day of Hezekiah. Verse 5, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. I'd say that's a pretty good resume. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him wherever he went out. He prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. Now, I want to share some background information that will kind of fill in the blanks concerning the passage that we just read. Amen. Shortly after King Solomon died, the nation of Israel split into two separate kingdoms. There was Israel to the north with Samaria as its capital, There was Judah to the south with Jerusalem as its capital. Unfortunately, after about 200 years, the northern kingdom had slipped into such steep spiritual decline that the nation was judged by God. And the city of Samaria and the northern kingdom of Israel were conquered and destroyed by the armies of Assyria, the fiercest nation on the earth at that time. And they never recovered. By the time Hezekiah took the throne of Jerusalem, Judah had also slipped into spiritual decline. And the Assyrian Empire was poised and threatening to destroy Judah just like it had destroyed Israel. So at the time that we enter this story, we find that Judah was paying tribute money to Assyria trying to appease them, and trying to avoid the fate of their brethren to the north. But God had another plan for the kingdom of Judah, for the city of Jerusalem, for the city of David. Amen. Almost immediately after he took the throne, Hezekiah was stirred by God to spearhead a tremendous spiritual revival in the land of Judah. He placed renewed emphasis on the Word of God. He began at once to observe all the religious festivals and ceremonies that were commanded by the law of Moses. Listen to this. He outlawed idolatry and the worship of false gods in the nation of Judah. And so with all their hearts, the people of Judah returned to the God of their fathers. It was a wonderful time in the history of the nation of Judah. So in the midst of this national spiritual revival, Hezekiah made a very important decision. He refused to pay the Assyrian Empire any more tribute money. He wanted to be free of their influence. 
He wanted to be free of their bondage. Right away, I see a personal application here. Just like Hezekiah, at some point in our lives, we have to make up our mind that enough is enough. I'm not going to be a slave to the enemy anymore. I'm going to surrender every area of my life to the Lord Most High. Furthermore, I will not surrender one parcel of ground to the enemy in my life, in my family, in my ministry. Not one piece of ground. I'm going to live holy and I'm going to be faithful to the calling of God on my life. End of story. you got to come there. Sometime in your faith walk, you got to get to that point where enough is enough. And you stand up against the enemy who's coming against you. 2 Chronicles 32. 2 Chronicles 32. Most, in fact, almost all of our scriptures this morning are going to be from the English Standard Version. 2 Chronicles 32. Verse 1, after these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. Isn't that just like the devil? Once you've made up your mind, you're going to live for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The enemy will come and try to steal the fruit of your faithfulness before it comes to fruition, before it takes root, before it becomes a threat to his kingdom. He's coming after you, so you got to be ready. Verse 2, and when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, He planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. Amen. A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? So let me tell you what's going on. They re-engineered the water supply to deny fresh water to the incoming Assyrians. And they funneled the water into the city of Jerusalem so they would be the ones who had a source of fresh water. Just planning ahead. Amen. (laughs) Verse 5. He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. These were towers that could spot the enemy coming. And outside it, he built another wall. He repaired the wall, and then he built another wall. And he strengthened the millow in the city of David. The millow was a fortress built by King David, his ancestor. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. Let me just stop right now. That is a praiseworthy moment. Hezekiah had awareness 
that there was spiritual help on the way. That there were more angel armies with them than the enemy that was against them. This is always true in our life if we would just wake up to that spiritual reality. Verse 8, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. You need to listen to voices that bring confidence to your heart. Not that put you down and bring you down. Be careful who you listen to. Listen. This is something Christians don't always want to face. But we are in a battle. It is unavoidable. We are major players in a cosmic battle between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And we have to be prepared to fight the good fight of faith. That's what Paul said to his protege, Timothy. And a good fight is a fight that you know going in, you're going to win. Amen? Just like Judah made fortifications, weapons, and armor in the natural and brace for the attack of the enemy, we have to put on the spiritual armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. Unsheathe the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and be ready to fight. We need to be ready to engage the enemy and push back the darkness. And that is what Hezekiah was preparing the city to do. Amen. Verse 9. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, who was besieging Lachish, which was a nearby town in Judah, with all his forces sent his servants to Jerusalem to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Now, if you continue to read in 2 Kings 18, you find out that the messenger speaking for the king of Assyria here is a guy by the name of Rabshakeh. And Rabshakeh means an abundance of waters. And that's significant because he unleashed a flood of words into the ears of the people defending Jerusalem. First in verbal form and then in written form. Evidently he was an educated man. He could speak Syrian and he could speak Hebrew. And when he launched his threats against the people manning the walls, he made sure to speak in Hebrew so they could hear every ugly threat. And the aim was to intimidate the people of Judah and convince them that they could not survive the siege of Jerusalem. Rabshakeh said things like this, Haven't you heard what we've done to the other nations in this region? If their gods weren't able to save them, what makes you think your God is able to save you? We're going to starve you out so that you end up eating your own solid waste and drinking urine. Listen, that's right out of the Bible, only I cleaned it up a little bit. Now, I know that's kind of gross, 
But the point I want you to see is that Rabshakeh was trying to paint a picture in the minds of his enemies. And it was a picture of no hope, no future, utter despair, and humiliation. Amen? Isn't that just like the devil? To paint a scenario in your mind to make you think it's hopeless. To tell you it's no use. You're not going to make it. You might as well give up. How many have ever heard the devil tell you that? Come on, be honest. Not only are you going down the tubes, but the nation is going down the tubes all around you. So after Rabshakeh ran his mouth for a good long while, the servants of the king's court heard his words and went and repeated them to King Hezekiah. So we pick that up in 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary, and the senior priests, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So here in this passage, in this prayer request to the prophet Isaiah, King Hezekiah, he uses, he uses children as a metaphor. Children being birthed speaks of the future of a people. It speaks of vision. It speaks of destiny. And in this case, it looked like the kingdom of Judah was just about finished. They had no future. They had no hope. If God didn't come through, they would not survive as a nation. And mind you, neither would the line of David and maybe Messiah would not have been able to come into the earth. So there was a lot riding on this siege and this battle. More than just Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem. The plan of God was on the line. If Jerusalem fell, there would be no remnant left to carry on the legacy of King David. That's why they called it the city of David. Because of his legacy. Verse 5. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Notice, the Lord says, If you insult my people, you insult me. If you revile my people, you're reviling me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Now that was a prophecy. Put that on the shelf as we go forward. So let's apply 
what we've heard so far to our nation at this crucial time in our history. I can hear Rabshakeh saying, America's best days are behind her. From here on out, she will be in decline. You might as well give up. There's just too many of us. Just surrender to our will and don't fight it anymore. But just like the Rabshakeh of old was found to be a liar, as we'll find out here shortly, the Rabshakeh of our day will be found to be a liar as well. So I've already prophesied this during prayer, but i got to prophesy again. So let me respond to the words of Rabshakeh that I am quite sick of hearing. I say America's best days are ahead. I say America will fulfill her divine destiny as a nation. I say we will be a nation where righteousness, truth, and justice, and life, and liberty reign in the land. I say the Church of America will arise and be the glorious church that God has called us to be. I say we will vote our values in this election and the hand of God will be upon our nation. Wow. You know, when that happens to me, I feel the anointing. It's a, it's a buzz and I'm buzzing right now. And I like it. I like it a lot. All right. In addition to the verbal threats that Rabshakeh unleashed on Jerusalem, he also delivered some letters, some written threats. So let's pick that up in 2 Kings 19, 14 through 21. 2 Kings 19, verse 14 through 21. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. I love that. Lord, here's what they say. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent in to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Amen. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. Now, I'm going to paraphrase, but from here on out, the latter part of verse 21, all the way through verse 28, is the word of the Lord to Sennacherib. Amen. And it's awesome. The word of the Lord mocks the king of Assyria and his so-called, quote-unquote, mighty army. 
He says, the little girls of Jerusalem shall wag their fingers and wag their heads at you and your supposed, quote unquote, invincible might. You have mocked me and compared me with the false gods of the nations you have conquered. So I'm going to bring you down in particularly humiliating fashion. Now that's my paraphrase, but if you read those eight verses, I'm pretty sure you'd agree with me. That's a pretty good rendering of what Isaiah said. But now hear the word of the Lord to Hezekiah, 2 Kings 19, verse 29 to 37. And this shall be the sign for you. This year, eat what grows of itself. And in the second year, what springs of the same. Then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Whoo, glory. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors, the zeal of the Lord will do this. This was the word of the Lord meant to encourage Hezekiah and the people of Judah when they were under siege. He says not only would they be delivered from the siege, but it would be a lasting deliverance. Even the land around them that had been ravaged by the enemy would soon produce fruit again in abundance. The remnant of Judah would once again sow and they would once again reap and they would reap in abundance. They would take root downward and they would bear fruit upwards. Amen. They would not just survive, but they would thrive. So let's apply this at a personal level here at Faith Life Fellowship. We're entering a season here at our church where we're going to experience a lasting deliverance from the things that have come against us. We will sow and we will reap in abundance. We will take root downward and we will bear fruit upwards. We will not just survive, we will thrive. Some of you have felt shut in, constantly under attack, constantly on defense. But the Lord is about to go on offense on your behalf, amen. Just like he did for Hezekiah. Listen to the rest of this story, and I want you to rejoice with me as you hear it. Verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. OMG! I got to read that again. And that night, the, a single angel of the Lord, went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. 
Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. And as he was worshiping, listen to, remember the prophecy here. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramelech and Sherezar, his sons, struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. The word of the Lord was fulfilled over the king of Assyria. I want to ask you a question. And I'm being quite serious. Have you ever faced an army of more than 185,000 men? Has such a force ever come against you and your city and threatened to destroy it? I submit to you that if God can send just one angel to decimate a mighty army like this without ever having to physically fight for yourself, He can take care of whatever you're facing today. Just let that hang in the air. I said He is more than able to take care of whatever you're facing today. He's not only able, but He is willing. So let me wrap this up by encouraging you with these words. Don't let Rabshakeh flood you with His words. Don't let Him build a scenario in your mind. Say no to any scenario that tells you there is no future, there is no hope. Say no to the scenario. It's not true. It's not true for our nation. It's not true for our church. And it's not true for the people of God. I'm going to tell you what is true, though. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. This will be in the New King James Version. I'm going to read it to you. And then we're going to unpack it a little bit. Resist the lies of Rabshakeh and listen to the word of the Lord to you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, the word here that's translated thoughts can also be translated plans. And the word here translated peace is the Hebrew word shalom. It's much more than just simple peace. It is peace, prosperity, health, and wholeness in every sense of the word. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. That's shalom. So let's read it again. For I know the plans that I think toward you, says the Lord. Plans of shalom, peace, prosperity, health, and wholeness, and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord to you this morning. My plans for you always include a future and a hope. King James says it like this. I will give you an expected end. I will give you the hallmark ending that you're waiting for. I watched the Hallmark Channel with my wife. One of the reasons these movies are so popular is because you always know what to expect. You're going to get an expected end in any Hallmark movie that you watch. God wants to give you a Holy Ghost Hallmark ending in your life. Amen. 
was a little worried there. I thought, surely these people have at least gone by the channel as they flicked through. <laughs> Let me leave you with this thought. Remember, always resist the lies of the Rabshakeh and always embrace the word of the Lord to you. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, The Lies of Rabshakeh. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.